Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we are interviewing Jake. And Jake is somebody I met in, uh, in Steamboat, Colorado. We were at this sort of little uh, entrepreneur retreat, and it, there were entrepreneurs from all over in different industries and stuff, but we realized we, we were into niche sites. So turns out Jake has been earning about five to $6,000 for the last 18 months on his website, which we're going to be able to at least share a little bit about the niche, not the specific site, but we're going to dig into the details. The cool part is he quit his job in August of 2021. He's been working on the site full time since then and growing it in various ways. Before we get to the interview, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S. They are the source for aged and premium domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. The feature domain for today is Hippo Thinks, and that is a site that used to be a professional content writing and PR public relations service. They had many different services, such as content creation, straight up public relations and outreach and that sort of thing and media strategy. So sort of higher end. It was created eight years ago back in 2014. It has a domain rating of nine and a domain authority of 28. It's a very brandable name, but it's kind of interesting because it has it's hippothinks.com. So it's not anything with like sort of keyword rich or anything that tells you much about it. But with Otis, when you get a domain, you actually get a little logo and the logo is pretty cute. It's a little hippo face or head. You could take this site and if you already have a PR or content writing agency or service, you could, you know, bolt it right on, redirect, and you'll you'll get you know, all those backlinks, which we'll talk about in a second, or one sort of faster route, especially if you're not interested in running a service, you could just earn from referring people to agencies that exist. And as someone with a podcast and YouTube channel, there are companies that contact me every single week that want to work with me. I don't work with very many of them, but you could do reviews on various services and earn money that way. And then if you decide, hey, I want to run a service too, you can go that route. So a lot of capability here. There are 106 referring domains and 62 of those are do follow pretty excellent domains as well. You got VentureBeat, Entrepreneur.com, HuffPost, The Guardian, Forbes, and so on. You can get $100 in your Otis account if you join using my affiliate link, and I might earn a commission if you buy anything. So thanks a lot to Otis, and let them know that you appreciate the support of The Doug Show. So let's get to the interview with Jake here. Jake, how's it going today? It's going excellent, Doug. Thanks for having me. So let's get into your background just a little bit here. So how did you uh, get into to niche sites and what were you doing beforehand? Yeah, so I, uh, I got into niche sites on accident. Um, I started a, an e-commerce store like right out of college with my buddies and uh, it was like, it was a lot of work. Like, uh, and we didn't make any money. Like we would sell, we was a t-shirt company. So we would sell a couple shirts and then you'd have to like put that money that you just made into advertising or into, um, or into inventory. And then you'd sell more and then you'd put that money back in and you just keep putting money in. And, uh, we didn't know what you're we doing. So, uh, we failed, we messed up. 
we all got jobs. Uh, we like the other two guys, they moved to different parts of the country. And then, uh, I was like, man, I really want to start another e-commerce store. And my wife and I had just gotten a golden retriever and I was looking for like pajama pants for like with golden retrievers on them. And at the time I couldn't find them. So I'm like, well, like maybe this is it. Like this is, this is my e-commerce store idea. Uh, you know, but first <clears throat> let me kind of learn from my mistakes and start to build an audience. Um, and that's what we didn't do with our first e-commerce business. Like we were just doing free PR and like we would sell a bunch in a day and then like nothing for weeks. And then we'd get like another interview or podcast and it would spike again. So this time I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to actually build a sustainable audience. So we're going to get uh, consistent sales. So I started the blog about golden retrievers. And then I realized I could make money without dealing with all the headaches of an e-commerce store. Uh, no inventory, no like spending money on ads. And I kind of, so far, I've dropped the, uh, the idea of, of, a, uh, of an e-commerce store just because it's, it's, it's so much easier uh, and it, it's fun um, and I, a lot less headaches when just like when I'm making money straight from content and not from e-com. Got it. And let, let's dive in really quickly to some of the, I guess, stats on the site. So how much content is on the site right now? Um, I think 157 blog posts. Okay. And then did you write most of it or did you outsource a lot of it? I've written probably 120. Um, so it's about golden retrievers and I'm a marketer. I'm definitely not a dog trainer. And so I've recently hired a dog trainer to write some of the more technical stuff, like, you know, how to stop barking, biting, chewing that stuff. But like anybody can write a list of golden retriever names or like, you know, things that you need when you first get a golden retriever puppy. Um, so all that stuff I did, but, um, I've recently been getting to a little bit more training stuff. And so she's been helping me with that. Very good. And with the early writing, so you wrote a, a pretty good majority of it. Did you have a writing background? Was that hard for you to, to jump into, especially like the first few that you were writing? Yeah. So actually I did have a writing background. I love writing. I always wanted to be a writer. Uh, when I was, my first job out of college was I was a personal trainer and I, that was where I realized that I like marketing better than training. Um, and I was running the blog and I was like, this is awesome. I wish that I could only do the blog and the marketing and not have to do the personal training and deal with people. Uh, so yeah, I did, I did have a lot of, uh, a lot of background in writing and then my last job before I quit, um, I was the editor in chief at a fishing company, so I was doing a lot of uh, a lot of writing there. Okay, and I, I mean, it sounds like that was a great advantage. You know, not only did you have some previous skills, but you liked doing it. So, do you have any other comments on that? Not a very good question, but just curious when you talk to maybe people that are starting out, like the advantage that you have, the sort of. Yeah, the skill that you brought to the table is something that may be harder for other people. So any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was a good writer, but reading some of my older stuff is just terrible. <laughs> like, it, it just hurts and it's like embarrassing. Um, so, so yeah, like, yes, it helps to like have some writing experience, but no matter what, like how much experience you have, you're always going to get better. And like, you're always going to look at some of your old posts and be like, that was terrible. Like, what was I thinking? So yeah, I mean, just get started. <laughs> just, just do it. Um, no matter what happens, you're going to start out bad and you're always going to get better. 
So let's talk about um, the, the traffic as well. So how much traffic are you getting currently? And you, can you talk about the trajectory? So I, I think I forgot to ask how old the site is. So maybe you, you could mention that when you talk yeah, about so traffic. Yeah, the site, the site is about, uh, I think I started it in 2019, uh, in the spring of 2019. So it just passed three years old. Um, I currently, like, you know, the last 30 days, I think I've had 66,000 visitors uh, and 100,000 page views. It's a little bit seasonal. Um, so in Q4, like d- December traffic is pretty up. And then January, I think that a lot of people get January pup- like Christmas puppies. Um, so I think that a lot of people are doing their research on like how to train their dog or, or whatever um, in January. So it, there is a little bit of a spike in January. Um, and also in December, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, what kind of puppy to get or, you know, all that sort of research. So it spikes in Q4 in the beginning of Q1, and then it kind of drops off. Um, and I didn't know that at first. And uh, I think it was in it was in 2020, I went viral. Uh, I be, yeah, I think it was in t- June of 2020. I went viral. Um, I wrote a story about the oldest golden retriever. And um, I went from uh, maybe five five or 10,000 uh, visitors a month. And then in June of 2020, I had, I think like 200,000. Um, and it was just like, it went crazy. I got backlinks from uh, CNN, uh, people.com, like uh, Southern living, like all sorts of like really big uh, articles. So that was like a huge spike. Um, and then like, if you look at my trajectory, it's like a slow increase and then like a massive spike. And then obviously it went down. But after that, the increase was a little higher. Um, so I ended up having, I uh, got like 100,000 visitors, uh, like 20,000 visitors of June of 2021. And then it kind of went down from there. Um, and I thought that was because like, um, I thought that was because Google was punishing me. I didn't understand, or, or not Google was punishing me, but I thought like some big Google algorithm shift happened, but I just didn't understand seasonality. Um, so that like this time of year, like it would happen again. And I'm, I'm a lot more calm, like, oh, I'm losing traffic like every day. Um, and, you know, my stats are, are looking pretty bad compared to last month. Uh, but now I know why. Um, so it's a little seasonal. So, yeah, um, you know, I'm, so Q4, I'll be around 80 to 100,000 visitors, like Q4 in January. And then it'll dip down to like 60 or 70,000 per month. Can you talk about the first, say, 18 months or so and the traffic trajectory, maybe how much content you were publishing? I know it's maybe a little hard to remember back, um, you know, a few years ago, but yet people are in the sort of early stages or starting a new site. They're working for like six or seven months and they're thinking, I'm behind where I should be, but they don't really have a good concept of where they should be. So how did it work out for you in the first part? Yeah. So, uh, the first few months I got, um, I got a lot of shiny object syndrome. I fell into it. I fell into the trap. Um, so I didn't really like, that was like my biggest mistake is just not like going all in early. Um, so I would write a couple articles and then I would stop. So here we go. I've got my little, uh, content calendar here. Uh, so my first, my first article was actually, uh, January 27th of 2019. And then I wrote 12 articles in 2019. Um, so 12, 12 articles in the whole year. Uh, I started with one, two, three, four, 
I took a month, uh, took a month off, did another one, another month off, another one, uh, another month off. So like it was really slow starting. And then one of those 12 articles, uh, actually ranked number one for like a decently trafficked, um, uh, search term. And so I was getting like a thousand a month and, uh, a thousand visitors a month and like 90% was from that one blog post. And so what I kind of found was like, with all this shiny object syndrome, I was doing like affiliate marketing, like I was running ads for affiliate products. I did a, um, I did a virtual summit. And so I'm just doing a lot of stuff. And meanwhile, in the background, my blog posts are like actually starting to rank. So I wasn't working on it, but like, but my traffic is going up every day. Um, and every month, like my traffic is actually looking good. And that was kind of when I realized like, wow, like this is legit. Like this is actually working. Um, everything else is like not really working. Um, but like, and not only is this working, but like it's a snowball effect. So like things are getting better and better and I'm not working on it every single day. Like all the other stuff I was spending every day, like the virtual summit, it was a ton of work. Uh, like running Facebook ads to an affiliate product was a ton of work. And I was doing that every single day. I hadn't touched the blog in like six months and like traffic was better than ever. I was like, wait, this is like the best, the best business model. That's awesome. I I love how you published about one article per month. People feel, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of making this a problem because it's a good headline when I write, you know, someone published a thousand articles in one year, but you published 12 and it's, it seems like you, you were busy when you started getting traction, did you then realize, okay, I'm going to focus on this writing portion of it and stop playing around with these other pieces, which I think it was probably important for you to find out like what wasn't working, like all those other things you were trying. But yeah, so once you realized everything was um, probably going to be good if you published more content, how did you you know shift over to that? Yeah, so in... January of 2020, I published 17 articles. So I went from 12 and all of, tw- all of 2019 to 17 in, in one month. Um, that was kind of when I realized like, Hey, I'm going to double down on this. Uh, my big goal was to quit my job. Uh, I loved my job. It was awesome. Like my boss is awesome. My coworkers awesome. And like I was watching fishing videos for a living. Uh, <laughs> it was great, but like, I've always just wanted to like be an entrepreneur and work for myself. Um, so I was like, you know, I got to make this happen. And like, this seems like the best thing to do. So I dove all in. Um, and then from like January, January and February, March and April, I was pretty good. And then I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit. Um, I got a little bit of a, a little bit more shiny object syndrome. I created an ebook. Um, so that took a lot of time from publishing. Um, at this time I wasn't really making enough money to, hire anybody, uh, hire a writer. And, you know, I was trying to save up and like, you know, trying to make this my full-time job. So I didn't want to hire a writer to do the job that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I like writing, so it wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Um, but I guess the good thing is that like you can sprint for a little bit and then like when you leave, those blog posts are still there. And like when you're taking that time off, like they're getting better and better. It's not like they're getting worse and worse. Like, if you write an article and then don't touch it for six months, like that's the best thing you can do. Like don't look at it, forget it. And then all of a sudden you look in uh, Google analytics one day and you're like, wow, like this article is ranking well, it's getting like hundred visitors a day or whatever. Um, so yeah. So I, when I realized like, Hey, like this is, 
this is my ticket. Uh, I started going all in. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and it's kind of has snowballed a little bit from there. And you mentioned when you have gone back and looked at some of the earlier articles, you realize you, you could do a better job now. So do you have a practice to go back and improve the old stuff yet? Other you're, you know, you're getting over 150 articles on your site. I, I have a practice. I don't often do the practice, but I have a system. Um, I mean, all I have is like a big Google doc and it has like the original publish date, the title, the URL, um, broken it down to like, what kind of post is it? Is it like a how to or a list or whatever? Uh, what keyword I'm trying to rank for, I have the author. So like <laughs> for a long time, it was only me. Um, but then after that, I've got another column, like when was like the last update, like, you know, update one, update two or whatever. Um, and also like, did I email this out? Uh, so I have a system. I don't do it as much as I should. Um, if I hire a, an editor, which is a, or a manager, something, something I'm considering doing, then I'll have, I'll have them do that. Uh, but right now, uh, I think I've mentioned a couple of times that I got shiny object syndrome. So right now I have two businesses. So, um, so I'm mostly just thinking about forging ahead and <laughs> creating new content uh, versus updating old. But I know like that's probably the biggest thing that I can do right now. Like the, to unlock a bunch of growth and like probably the lowest hanging fruit right there. Got it. Okay. I have some sort of quick hit questions. So about how long is the content? If you had to generalize the average word count, um, 1800 words between 15, 1500 to 2000, but it's now somewhere on there. How long do you sort of anticipate it to take for something to rank? So you said, ah, you publish it and like, don't touch it. So when do you start to look and assess like, all right, this one's working out pretty good. These didn't work out as well as I thought. Um, roughly speaking, six months. Um, if I find like an obscure keyword that I'm pretty sure nobody has written an article about, uh, maybe a month. Um, I've got a couple of those, but not many. Um, so in that case, and that's just me kind of being, I don't know, greedy is the right word or like excited, but yeah, they'll start checking the stats for that, um, in like a month. And like, that's just like stupid, like me checking stats isn't going to do anything, but yeah, for most articles, six months, I mean, some of my, some of my articles take like a year to rank, uh, if, okay. it, if they're for, um, if they're for, uh, um, competitive keywords. Yeah, I've seen that a lot myself too, where, you know, you may get a little traction, but it's when you forget about it and stop looking every single day or multiple times a day like we do. And then yep. things work out okay if you're just a little patient and you forget about it. So it's like, a, you know, watch pot doesn't boil. Okay. The other piece that I want to learn about is the revenue after about 12 months. So you said, you know, you started getting more traffic. You only published like one article per month that first year you started to double down. So if you could remember sort of different milestones, so maybe 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, just ballpark. I know it's been a while. Yeah, this is a, this is a bit of a sore subject actually. Uh, about 12 months in, um, it was, I was ranking for like, you know, golden retriever puppy supplies and I was making like uh, a little over a thousand on uh, Amazon. And then uh, Amazon changed their commissions. Uh, so that, that, that I would think I was making like 1300. So that 1300 turned into like 400. 
Um, so, so that's why it's a, it's a sore subject because yeah. I was like, man, I'm, I'm on my way to like quitting my job. Like I only have, you know, a small handful of posts and I'm making a ton of money from Amazon. I haven't even added ads yet. Like nothing. It's all Amazon. So yeah, it was at 12 months. Uh, it was like 14 months. I uh, was doing about a thousand that, or, you know, 1200, 1300. And that got cut to three, four or 500. Um, and then I went viral about a year and a half in about maybe 18 months, probably like 17 months. And I was kind of planning, I was like writing an ebook during that time and like getting, um, getting like a little, uh, a lead magnet going. And I was like, you know, all right, I'll, I'll add ads soon. So I went viral, like right before all that happened. Um, so I was a little, a little bummed. I missed out on, I had, I had no ads set up there. I had, I had really like no monetization, um, at all when I got 200,000 visitors in one month. Um, so that kind of stunk. But, uh, but after that, you know, I guess 18 months in, um, I was getting back closer to a thousand dollars a month. Okay. Yeah. I know that was back in April of 2020. I remember that well. And there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on whenever Amazon changes the commission rates in a dramatic way like that. So, and the other part, and that has happened to me a few, like two, two major times. So it was 2017, sounds like a little before you got into the Amazon space, but what the, were the cuts in 2017? Sorry. What, like how much did they, did they cut your commissions in 2017? It was about the same effectively, but if I remember right, it has been a few years, basically Amazon used to award your commission rate based on the volume of products that you sold. So if you sold a lot of products, it didn't matter what category it was in, you got paid, you know, a higher commission. So if you were selling a lot of stuff, if you have a few sites, for example, I think it was like eight to eight and a half percent, which now, I mean, that's like three X, like what an effective, um, commission rate is these days, which really hurts when you think about the real numbers, you're like, holy cow, it should be making like $25,000 a month or something. And it's way off, way off that pace. So yeah, that one, that one hurt a lot. And for me personally, I had a website for, for sale with a partner and we were like in negotiation. So it, it was like a six figure like <laughs> loss for us. Yeah. That one hurt a little oh bit, but gosh. it was, um, okay. I feel a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you, yeah. When you're selling it, like the leverage that you're selling it for, uh, yeah, that, that would yeah. hurt, but it's business. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it helped me because then I was like, all right, I, I was only relying on Amazon at that time. And since then I was like, well, I'm going to write an ebook because I don't want to be, uh, worried about only Amazon revenue. Um, I also started going to Chewy as well. They have an affiliate program. Um, and then also I was like, let me put ads on my site. Let me diversify a little bit because I do not want this to happen again. Perfect. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, you learned a lesson, but it was like probably the cheapest time you could learn it when you're first starting yes. out versus, <laughs> yeah. you know, if that happened today, it's a little bit different. So it's good that you've learned that lesson. That said, perfect transition to the, your different monetization. And if you could roughly break down, the percentage, uh, just ballpark again, you don't have to give exact numbers here. Yeah. About 50% from, um, from ads and I'm on Mediavine. <clears throat> so, uh, so yeah, about 50% from ads, 
Uh, 40% from affiliates and then 10% from my ebook. Um, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good estimate. 50, 40, 10. Okay. And is that where you want it to be? Are you trying to shift it in the, in the future? Like ideally, what would you want it to be? Um, recently I've been doing more affiliate, um, more affiliate, uh, content. Like when I first started out, I was really only thinking about mostly traffic, um, I don't know why. Uh, I think it was like an ego thing. Like I think I wanted to say, oh yeah, my blog post gets a hundred thousand visitors a month. Uh, so I think it was an ego thing. Um, and I've not to say that I've like tapped out, but, uh, I've gotten most of like kind of the major keywords that are going to bring in a ton of traffic. Um, so now I'm starting to, I'm starting to look for, uh, more, more affiliate, more affiliate kind of related blog posts to, publish content on. So yeah, I'm hoping, hoping to make more money with affiliates moving forward. And I expect you're probably looking for other affiliates aside from Amazon. Is that accurate? Um, yes, it is accurate. Um, looking for, uh, more courses. Um, and then also a couple other, like, you know, e-commerce is big because if you have a dog, like you got to buy a lot of stuff. Um, but you know, I'm also, I'm also looking for like, um, you know, different products to talk about for, for golden retrievers. So like not, you know, I'm, I am looking for more stuff on Amazon, but also not on Amazon. It doesn't really matter at this time. Um, you know, like my niche is pretty, uh, pretty small. Like it's, it's only golden retrievers. Um, so I'm really just anything that I can publish about golden retrievers. I'm publishing no matter if I, I think it's pretty small or if it's huge or like really competitive. Um, I'm just, I'm just going for it. Okay. Is your dog in the room now? My dog is not in the room. Okay. Uh, we're he, uh, on the couch. Okay. <laughs> Georgie was. Oh, yeah. She's, she's sleeping behind me, but she's under, under the table. <laughs> she's like, it's like her little cocoon over there. So I've got a lot of squeaky toys here. So I didn't want him to <laughs> make an unwanted cameo. <laughs> it would have been, it, usually I yell at the guest if they have any kind of animal like that, but I'm just kidding. I don't do that, but it would be perfect <laughs> for this one since we're talking yeah. so specifically about it. So one thing, you know, people have a hard time choosing a niche and some, unfortunately some people will spend, you know, two years in analysis phase and like never pull the trigger. Some people would think that, a specific breed of a specific animal is too niche down. Do you have any thoughts on that? Were you concerned like, Hey, I'm going to run out of like the market or, or anything? Yeah. I mean, one thing like running out of the market, one thing I didn't really talk about, uh, is info products. Um, I think niching down like sets you up perfectly for going deeper than going wider. So, um, so I can cover like every single topic that you ever thought about with golden retrievers and I can create a course. Um, like I, I said, I hired a dog trainer to write some, uh, more blog posts and, uh, I'm hopefully in the future going to have her create a course for me. Um, so in that case, like it doesn't matter as much if, uh, if Amazon hits me, um, or if, even if like if Google hits me, uh, I have an, uh, an email list and, you know, if I have a course that's a hundred, $200, um, that will kind of save me from a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, adversity, I guess. Um, so, so in that case, like, no, I didn't re- I'm not too worried about niching down and, and everybody says like, you know, riches are in the niches and I've really taken that to heart. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I like, um, 
you know, I, I appreciate that. And it also it just makes a lot, makes things easier. I don't have to do that much research. Like, uh, you know, if I was to, to do like, you know, just dogs in general, uh, you can definitely get like analysis paralysis because you have tons and tons of things to write about. You also have lots of competitors. Um, you also have like, you know, if you're, you just have to research a lot when you're writing, but like, I'm not saying I know everything there is to know about golden retrievers, but I have a lot of knowledge about golden retrievers. So it just makes like writing a lot faster because I don't, you know, if I was doing social media, like I might have to know a lot about Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube um, and podcasting and, and everything else. So like, you know, I'd just have to do a lot of research, but picking one niche has really saved a lot of time in the research because I know it so well. Uh, so it makes writing a little easier and a little faster. Um, but yeah, as far as like, you know, being worried about it, I have seen a couple times recently, I've talked to a couple guys that have, um, really like broad niches and they're just going for like the volume. Um, and they've been winning that way. Um, and that's been, um, interesting. Uh, so I have been getting a little, uh, little, little jealousy there just cause like, man, you, like, you can write so many articles there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy, happy with my decision and, um, not, not too worried about it. And it's something like you were interested in anyway, like you, you were thinking about it, you were having, uh, you, you guys had questions, I suspect about, you know, raising a young pup and all that. So Definitely. one other area just kind of related to choosing an itch, how, how far outside like could you go? And I just have a quick example. Like there's some breeds, um, like a go- golden doodle, right? So it's like a cross between uh, a uh, like a poodle. Is that right? A poodle. Yeah. And a, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so right. it's closely related. There's some probably overlap. Like, would you cover um, a couple topics uh, around a golden doodle or similar? Um, you know, I could. Uh, you know, one thing I have done a little bit is puppy stuff. Um, but I actually have a, an interesting, you know, this is a a story about YouTube specifically, but, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on golden retrievers. One of the, like the big mistakes that I made earlier was I wasn't really, um, confident in my decision to niche down. Uh, you know, first I didn't know. And then I was like, ah, you know, I still want to do like puppies and, you know, golden retrievers. And so on, um, on YouTube, I, I made a video about like how to get your puppy to stop crying in the crate. And that started to rank like number one for that. And so I would get a ton of traffic to that site and a ton of people were just general puppy owners. And then when I started publishing stuff about gold retrievers specifically, they didn't, you know, they didn't care. Um, And so like probably half, more than half of my subscribers on YouTube are like, don't have a golden retriever. And I think that has really hurt me um, because, you know, it's not, you know, every time I publish a video, half the people say, no, I don't care. And that's definitely not what the YouTube algorithm wants. Um, and then like, it's kind of same with, uh, with, um, you know, on, on Google as well. You know, I don't want to really be, really be bringing in people that aren't going to like, I'm not really going to serve them well. Like they're going to read one article on my site and then leave. Um, and I'm kind of thinking about, um, about an info product and, if I'm only talking about golden retrievers, then that info product is kind of for everybody. Um, so I could, I could, you know, go a little bit of puppy stuff, a little bit of golden doodle stuff. Um, when I feel like I've maxed out, then 
like, you know, every single content idea that I can, then maybe I'll go into that. Um, but for now, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not going to, I'm not really going to branch out for now. Great. Okay. Let's, I guess, kind of go back. So we've talked pretty specifically about some of the content. Let's talk about keywords. So we've danced around the niche. We talked about content. So with the keyword research, can you talk about your approach? It sounds like, I mean, you mentioned specifically some pretty long tail keywords. So I'll just turn it over and let you tell us about how you approach keywords. Yeah. So I don't have like a, a really like a fancy, uh, a fancy approach to keywords. Um, you know, just doing mostly the, um, the, uh, the Google autocomplete. Um, I have uh, keywords everywhere, the plugin, um, and that helps me kind of guesstimate, um, search volume. So that's really all I'm doing. Um, you know, if I find a keyword that I, that seems like a lot of people are searching for, I usually don't look at competition, uh, because I, maybe this is just like me being cocky, but like, I feel like I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going into this with a mindset that I'm going to have the best blog about golden retrievers on the internet. And, uh, I don't care about competition. I'm going to, I'm going to beat them out. I'm gonna have the best blog and the best content about that. So, uh, and that's like, because I'm so niche, like I don't really have a choice. Like, yeah, like, you know, I, there are a lot of articles that I don't think I'm going to rank for or that, that I think that I may not rank for, but like, if I don't write articles for all those, then I'm going to be left with like very few ideas. So I'm going swinging for the fences on everything. Um, and when my blog first got started, it was my like 12th article, uh, started ranking for like a really competitive topic. Um, and it was ranking number one, I think maybe it was ranking for the snippet, one of those two. Um, but I was getting a thousand visitors a month and I only had like 13 blog posts on my site (laughs) or 12 blog posts on my site. Um, and so, uh, so, and yeah, I guess I, maybe I just got lucky with the competition there. Um, but yeah, mostly Google autocomplete, sometimes pairing that with, um, uh, with, um, keywords everywhere to kind of find the volume. Um, I also look at, uh, Facebook groups. So if I think that I have a good title or a good keyword, um, then I will search that into a Facebook group or on Reddit and to see like, are people talking about it? Like, do people have questions about that? Like, you know, if somebody posts, let's say I'm thinking about like golden retriever flea and tick medicine. Um, I might just like search golden retriever, golden retriever flea and tick medicine in a Facebook group with golden retriever owners and see like, are, are there a lot of people liking and commenting on that? Are a lot of people talking about that? Um, if I'm like seeing like nothing, no action, then maybe I'm not going to write that blog post because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, kind of concerns or questions about that. So, so really, keywords everywhere: Google Autocomplete, and then uh, forums and, and Facebook groups. And you you said you really don't do any uh, sort of competition analysis, right? So yeah. you see if there's much activity around it. You you probably have some intuition about whether or not it's a good keyword, anything else you look at, or uh, just those few things. Not really. I mean, I've really, really simplified my approach to find good keywords and create the best content to it. Um, I don't try to overthink it. Um, I I do try to, if I find a good keyword and I, and it looks like there's a lot of competition, I'm going to work probably extra hard on that. 
Um, I'm going to do a little bit more research. Um, and I'm going to really, really try to make that the best article on that topic possible. So let's talk about that specifically. You did come from a writing background. It sounds like you had a pretty good amount of practice in that craft specifically, and you were trying to do a good job. So you mentioned a couple of times having, quote, the best content for that topic. What does that mean to you? Is there some sort of criteria that you can go through that can help people sort of, and I'm asking for like the checklist, like what are the top three things? I hate these kind of questions sometimes, but yeah, for you, when you write it, what are you trying to make it so that it is better than everything else out there? Yeah. I mean, first I'm looking at, you know, what other articles are out there? Like, what are they covering? Um, and that kind of tells, tells me like what Google wants people want your, you know, what Google wants uh, that article to cover. So I'll look at that. Um, I'll just like look at all their subheads, you know, all as I'm writing my draft, I'll put all their subheads in there and then I'll look, I'll, um, I'll search that, uh, that keyword on forums and on Reddit, on Facebook groups and see like, okay, like this is what Google wants. And like, this is what the people actually want. And I'll kind of cross reference those. Um, and just really trying to figure out like, what do people actually want to know about this topic? And then, you know, that'll help inform, you know, what I'm going to write about. And then with writing, I want to be clear. Um, I don't want to ramble. I want to be succinct. Um, and I just want to give them the value that they came for. Um, sometimes that leads to, uh, or at least for me, it feels like I'm, you know, boom, this is like an 800 word post. And like, I just kind of know that's not going to rank, um, at least now, uh, or at least looking at my understanding of, of Google. Um, so, and I don't want to like keyword stuff, um, or just like ramble. So what I'll do is I'll think of like, objections and FAQs and like, I'll put an FAQ at the bottom or, um, you know, if I'm writing about like, you know, how to train, how to train your, your golden retriever to stop jumping, you know, you might say, here's how to train your golden retriever to stop jumping. And then most people think this, but it's really this. So trying to tell stories and refute objections to hammer home my point. I'm not going off like on tangents on different subjects. Like I'm only sticking to that one subject, but um, attacking it from different angles so that if anyone reads this, they're going to be blown away and they're going to be like, wow, this is really helpful. I really feel empowered to go and tackle this. And I know all about this now. You have a particular approach for titling and a lot of people would just, you know, take the keyword, maybe add a little something in there. How do you approach the titles and how does that maybe help them rank or help the piece be more engaging? Yeah. So, so I, I mentioned earlier, I have two businesses right now. One is a golden retriever blog. The other one is a newsletter about how to write better YouTube titles. Um, so I'm just, I'm studying what makes people click, um, especially on YouTube, but that works really well for, um, works really well for, uh, for, for blog posts and also for email subject lines. I mean, it's just psychology. It's how do you get somebody's attention? Um, so with Google specifically, a couple of things that you can do to write better titles um, is one to like make it timely. So like slap like the current year at the back of your title. So if you're trying to rank for like um, how to start a podcast, you would say how to start a podcast in 2022. Um, and so people, you know, because those things like that are always changing. And so you want, you know, if I'm a user, I want to know, okay, this is working right now. 
Um, so in 2022 is like the easiest thing that you can do. Um, and especially for products, like if you look at, you know, best hairbrushes or best microphones uh, on Google, most of them are probably going to have the current year at the end of that blog post. So including the current year is a really good one, especially for products. Um, you can also refute an objection. So um, <clears throat> you might like if you're doing dog training, uh, you know, how to train your dog uh, without using a clicker or like how to train your dog without dominating them. Um, just trying to think of like, what is the biggest thing that like the biggest objection that people have, like their excuse to why that's not working. And then if you refute that in the title, or if you kind of take away their excuse, then they have no, they have no excuse to not click your, um, not, not, uh, not read your article. And then also to, uh, they're going to feel empowered. They're going to be like, okay, like this person knows me, like this is my big, you know, my big hang up here. This is why I haven't taken action. Uh, so they're going to feel better about that. And, uh, also, um, so there's a uh, refuting an objection, there's um, timeliness, and then uh, you can also do X versus Y stuff. So like, um, you know, uh, Instagram versus TikTok, you know, which, which, is, which social media um, channel should you, uh, should you start on? Um, so those things work well. Uh, X versus Y work well because you're joining the conversation in somebody's mind. You know, somebody's already thinking that. Um, so that's easy, but then with the timeliness, including the year and, and refuting an objection, you have the keyword up front and then you're adding something at the end to kind of increase the click through rate. So, uh, you know, you're doing what Google wants, you know, you have the keyword there, like it's clear, you know, like the user knows exactly what that is. And then also you're going to increase the click through, increase the click through rate at the end. So that's, you know, a couple, a couple easy tricks to write better titles, um, they're simple and, you know, they work well and just like, look at, um, look at, uh, at what is ranking already and try to see like, why are they ranking? Like, is it a number? Is it a list? Um, is it like a, a how to like, you know, what, what exactly is, is making people click and what is, what does Google want? And then just kind of deliver on that. Perfect. And once you get you know, the, the handful of tips or the handful of sort of formats of a title, can you pretty much just go back to that again and again and again? Or do you need to keep changing it up for some reason? Yeah, I mean, I usually go back to that again and again and again. Um, and that's because most of my most of my blog posts are are stories or explanations um, or like, or sorry, not stories, they're how-to's. Um, or explanations or reviews. So, uh, so that's kind of like just a template that like you can kind of rinse and repeat, like just plug in like, you know, best leashes, best collars, best harnesses. Um, so yeah, like you can pretty much follow the same exact template, uh, for all those. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, really trying to figure out, you know, what people are searching for, what's the best way to deliver that information. Um, and yeah, usually, you know, it is, it is a list or, or, or something because, people have proven that they like those. So anything else content wise that, I, that I didn't ask you that I should have, and that you want to mention? Um, I think, uh, I think just knowing your audience, um, and like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you'd ask that, but like, yeah, like just knowing your audience, knowing like their, their fears, their desires so that you can speak to them and connect with them. Um, you know, in a way that they're like, wow, 
I love, you know, I love this site. Uh, now I'm going to go back and like, and read everything. Um, <clears throat> or I love this site. I'm not going to go back to Google and read another article about this thing. You know, all those are signals to Google that say that like, Hey, people like this site. Maybe you should rank this blog post higher. So yeah, just knowing your audience, um, spending time, uh, reading other articles, talking to people in your audience, spending time reading what they're saying on forums and, you know, Facebook groups and Reddit, uh, just trying to figure out what, what they really want, what they really, what their biggest uh, fears are. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's the, the best thing that you can do if you're writing content. So link building, we haven't talked about it so far. I'm not sure if you do much link building or promotion or how you approach it. So yeah. What'd you do on this particular site? Yeah. Um, uh, on this particular site, I got lucky, <laughs> um, with, uh, the article going viral. Um, and that, that was honestly just complete luck. Uh, definitely couldn't do that or it would be a lot of work and, uh, to do it again. Uh, I'm going to try, but, but it, it's just, I'm going to get lucky if, you know, if it happens, but, um, I do every year, um, <clears throat> it's like the golden, golden retriever owners report. Um, so I sent out a survey, um, I have an email list. I'll send it out through the email list. Um, recently I've paid, uh, people on Instagram, uh, or a couple people on Instagram to like share the survey link. Um, and I built a little bit of relationships with, uh, people who have, or I guess dogs who have like big Instagram follower followings to share it. Um, so yeah, I've had 600 people the past two years, fill it out. Um, and I'll ask questions like, you know, what's your dog's name? So then when I write an article about like best names for golden retrievers, I have uh, li- like data to say, hey, here are the top 20 names for golden retrievers in 2022. Or, um, you know, here, uh, you know, here's how many people have pet insurance. Here's how many golden retrievers have pet insurance. Um, so, uh, so one, like, um, you know, people like to rank those because it's like it's actual data. You know, it's, it's original research. Um, so it's hard to refute against those. And, you know, if you're making a, if you're making a case, then to have, have that data is, is great. So other articles will link to that. Um, and then also, uh, it's research for like all my articles moving forward, like for the rest of the year, I'm constantly referencing those studies. Um, and, uh, also I get leads from that. Y'all get two or 300, uh, like new leads from there. Um, I ask a question about products. So I make a lot of uh, money from those because, you know, when everybody's sharing them, then, uh, you know, I'm asking like, what are the, what's your, what's your, uh, favorite vacuum for your golden retriever? Like, so then I like, I have data to support that. So people are like, Oh, well, let me buy this vacuum because this is the most important one. And, um, and, um, that's what I'm looking for. So, so yeah, just, that's the biggest thing I do. And it's only, it's once a year golden retriever owners report. Um, i also have like a puppy weight calculator. Um, that hasn't done too well for me. Um, but that's, you know, a, a linkable piece of content. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on the hunt for a couple more things, but I'm not worried too much about links. Um, I, I should be more worried. I should be putting more work into it, but right now I'm not. Got it. And it sounds like you don't do any like intentional outreach. You're, you're just creating these linkable assets generally, and then getting lucky by going going viral. But <laughs> but yeah, you're not doing any like other outreach, right? No, I'm not. Uh, that's definitely something that I should do or I, I want to do, um, but I'm not. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I I do think the link building is important, but the key thing that you're doing here that I think most people are either too lazy or they don't think that they could pull it off is the survey and the original data. And I mean, you, you cited the awesome benefits that you get from doing that. But I would say like, if you went around and, and you did let people know about it, you would get, you know, probably I'm just making it up, but you get like five times more links than whatever you're, you have right now, just because people are like aware of it. And it could be, you know, it could be through working with those influencers again to just like have them share it out and then more people are aware of it. That could be a total dead end, right? I mean, you could get a little traffic, which is kind of nice, but it could be a total dead end. But if you did, you know, keep reaching out and letting people know about it and it could be, you know, it could be something like a, uh, maybe trainers that specialize in, uh, golden retrievers. So they would be interested in sharing it on their blog or vets. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to think of things that are where there's, you know, hundreds of different people that you could contact and it would be pretty easy. Maybe it's a vet that sends out a newsletter occasionally and you're like, Oh, can you share it on your newsletter? This is original data. I'm just a, you know, one dude, you know, doing my thing here. And, you know, this is, it's not like a big conglomerate or anything like that. So those would be just a couple, couple ideas. The other part is, you know, do what is fun. So if you're like dreading, like trying to send out outreach emails and you don't have to, then don't do it. Like you're getting some links anyway, and there's no reason to like push a boulder uphill if you could do something that's more enjoyable and things are fine. I mean, you have, you have a handful of links, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, definitely something that I, I need to be doing. I did a little bit of outreach for, um, for the, uh, for the, um, the report every year. Um, and it does. Okay. Um, you know, I haven't been getting a ton of, um, you know, a ton of, uh, a ton of links from that. So I, so I was kind of like discouraged a little bit, but, um, but you're right. Like I, I didn't, I didn't exactly put my best foot forward. So it's, I'm not saying it didn't work. It's saying my like initial, like first little try of doing that didn't work very well. So then I was like, well, let me just like do what I know and uh, do what I know works a little bit. But yeah, I mean, that's outreach for, especially for the owner's report is definitely something I need to be doing more. And just the concept, right? Because I was thinking back to some of my early days of internet marketing and I would hear people say, hey, if you become like the hub of something and you organize it, a lot of people don't want to do it. And I I just remembered I had an idea a while back where I like get together with my peers and do like, it it could be whatever niche you're in. So you, you just get together and you're like, hey, I'm putting together the information and the survey and you know, share it with your audience. I'll share the data with everyone. You link up and, and point to it, and you know, you get links from that. But then everyone else is like citing your original stuff, and you know, you become the authority, even if you come out of nowhere and you're not really an authority because you put it together. Like you are the organizer, and then all of a sudden, it it pushes you up into a different level. Which I mean, you kind of you kind of did, and it would be a little different to work with uh, like direct competitors 
in your specific niche, but I bet there are like dedicated magazines or people that are influential in the space that, you know, you could work it out so that it's not a direct competitor and you all like help each other out. So I don't know if there's anything there. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Um, I mean, just, you know, as far as traffic goes, who has the most, uh, the biggest audiences is Instagram influencers and, um, and like they're sharing it on their stories and like, I'll get a big bump. Like, uh, I, I interviewed, um, some woman and she shared it on her Facebook and her Instagram. And I got like 4,000 people that day from her. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a huge bump. But then, you know, it's a, it's a Facebook link and an Instagram story link, like they're, they're gone. Uh, so it does kind of stink, but, you know, but it does uh, a good job of getting the word out. Uh, and another thing I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of YouTube videos recently for uh, the Golden Retriever blog. And I'll mention the, um, I'll mention the, the study in there a lot. So as that grows, you know, I'm, and I'm kind of making like some pretty like bold claims um, and I mentioned it in almost every video. Um, so I'm hoping that that's going to start to get the word out there more too. Very cool. All right. Anything else link building or promotion wise in general? Um, promotion, uh, I've got a lead magnet and I'm building my email list. Um, that's really kind of just like the only thing, uh, promotion wise. So it is nice. I've got 4,000 people on my email list. So you know, every time I publish a new article, I'll get 200 to 500 people on that article that day um, because I'm sending it out to my email list. Um, and uh, same thing with YouTube videos. And if I do like, you know, if I'm promoting uh, another product, which I very, very rarely do, um, then that's, uh, that's been good. So yeah, so an email list uh, is a nice little, uh, nice little bonus there. All right. And did you start building the email list like right from the get go or when did you add that to the mix? Uh, so I built the email list right after I went viral. I was in the process of building it, uh, when I went viral. So yeah, I missed, uh, missed out on a lot there, but, um, but yeah, I started the email list about a year and a half after I started. Okay. And do you happen to know just like the general conversion rate or whatever it is, your, however you're tracking it? And if you don't know it, that's okay. Um, the conversion rate is low. Uh, so my lead magnet is, um, a potty training cheat sheet. And so this is a little bit of a kind of maybe, maybe an issue with my site is that I talk about golden retrievers of all ages and the people, you know, there's only a small section of people who have, or who need the potty training cheat sheet. Um, you know, if they're, uh, if they're specifically, if they have a puppy, if they're about to get a puppy. Um, so, so yeah, uh, maybe, I think like half a percent, like it's pretty, it's pretty low. I haven't done too much optimization around it. Um, so yeah, probably half a percent. Okay. So as we're wrapping up here, we're going to get away from the nitty gritty of the, the site specifically. You quit your job in, uh, I guess last summer. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up on a year. Obviously that's a huge impact to your life. Can you talk about that a little bit and then any other impacts the website has had on your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been awesome. <laughs> um, I remember I was talking to my wife and like, I was, this was before, like I started actually like making money with it. And I was like, you know, yeah, I, I think I might be able to make like $500 a month. Like, That'd be, that'd be great. And she was like, wow, that could really help us. 
like just $500 a month extra was like so big for us because we were like, man, that could, that's like our car payment. Um, you know, that would be, that'd be so cool. And here we are. Um, you know, I, I just made $6,000 for the first time, uh, like two months ago. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> this is great. Um, so yeah, like, 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 uh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like no words. Um, literally like, you know, you kind of like you dream about things and you're like, and then like when you actually achieve that goal, oftentimes it's, uh, it's not as good as like you thought it was going to be. Uh, but working for myself and like just writing about golden retrievers for a living is, is like definitely as cool as I thought it would be. It's so much fun. And it's like a video game. Uh, and like life is, so much like less stressful. I feel like I have so much more freedom. Um, you know, we met in Steamboat Springs and, uh, if I had a full-time job, like, what am I going to like say to my boss? Like, yeah, I'm going to go like hang out with a bunch of entrepreneurs, uh, for a weekend. Like, do you mind if I like take Thursday and Friday off? Um, you know, he's probably not going to be, you know, too happy that I'm taking off to learn about, uh, you know, how to make my own money. So, uh, so yeah, it's been fantastic. That's very cool. It's funny. I had a similar conversation with my wife and it, I, I was trying to make like 300 bucks. And then we had this, you know, we were on a road trip. Actually, we, we had this long conversation when I made 500. I'm like, this is insane. Like, I think I could make a little bit more and it escalates so quickly like you've seen. And yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. So that that's uh, fantastic. So what tips do you have? You've given so many tips, but you, if you have any broad general tips for people that are looking to replicate your success, any advice that you can give them? Um, they're like, this is kind of boring, but like start and don't quit. Um, like I feel, I honestly feel like anybody in the world could make a thousand dollars a month with a website. Um, like you don't need to be that smart. You don't need to be like a great writer uh, all the information is out there. Uh, you know, you gave me a lot of tips, uh, even in this call, you gave me a lot of good tips. Um, so like, just like do it and like, don't quit. And like, one thing that has really, uh, been great for me is falling in love with like little wins. Um, so this is like good and bad, but I check like Google analytics all the time. And, um, sometimes at night, like when I, when I write a blog post, like I'm celebrating that, like, boom, like another blog post. Like I'm trying to write, I'm trying to get to 300 blog posts and I'm at like 150. So I celebrate every little blog post. Like that is a big win for me when I press publish. It's not a big win. Like if it ranks or if it makes money, like I'm obsessed with having these little wins that are like, um, that are in my control. And then like with Google analytics, like I remember I was uh, visiting a buddy in, uh, in Alaska, it was a couple, couple years ago, like when I first got started and I like checked the site and I was like, Oh man, I got eight visitors today. Yeah. Like I just, like I was, I was sitting on his couch. Uh, we're in Alaska. It's like, uh, 11 and 11 PM. It's like still light outside cause it's in Alaska in the summer. And, uh, I had eight visitors that day and like, that is nothing like, but I was so excited and just like, I think having the ability to get excited about publishing a blog post and to get excited about eight visitors. Uh, I think that'll help you win. Like, you know, I wasn't, I made, I texted my mom like, Hey, I made my, like I made a dollar 50 today. And this was like six months after working hard on the blog. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, a dollar fifty in six months is like, is not, that's nothing. But if you get excited about like the process and about the little wins, uh, then I think you can make it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And sometimes people may hear it as like the leading and lagging indicators. So it's really hard, especially if you publish content. And like you said, Jake, it may take like six months to a year for it to fully sort of mature and get the traffic that it has the potential to get. And if you're just looking at the the lagging indicators, those results, you could be really discouraged. You can make weird decisions, but like you said, you can control how much you're publishing and what your target is. And then luckily, because you, you've had the track record before, you know, you're moving in the right direction, but yeah, it's like the systems thinking versus like goals. And it's really hard to only focus on the goals because our results are so far behind. It's I mean, our brains aren't built to like look that far, far ahead and be like, all right, just be patient. Just be patient. So yeah, great tip. Now yeah, I, mean, I, told, I told my mom to like, she retired and like, she still like, like she still wanted to make a little, little bit of extra money. And then like, I told her like, Hey, like you should start a website. And then, you know, I did tell her like, it's, you're not going to make any money for a year. Um, cause she was like, Oh, all we need is like an extra thousand dollars a month. And I was like, yeah, like just work at it for a year and like, you'll get there. And, uh, she was discouraged at the fact when I told her it was going to take her a year. And then, um, and then a year later, she, like, she was still having the same problem. <laughs> She's like, man, like, I wish I could just make an extra thousand dollars a month. I was like, mom, like I told you to do this a year ago. Like if you, if you had taken action then, like you would be, uh, in, like so thrilled right now, but like yeah. she didn't. It's tough. You tried to raise them right, you know, but <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so before before we finish up, it sounds like you did everything right. Maybe you jumped around a little bit to uh, the shiny objects uh, in your first year. Any mistakes that you made so that uh, we could bring you back down to earth? Yeah, any any anything small, big, anything you want to share here? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I did do everything right, but <laughs> I just did it way. I did it like I did. Every, all, I did all the steps but I just did them way too, like, it took me so long to do them. Like, yes, I wrote a hundred articles, but it took me like two years to do it. Uh, so yeah. like, like, you know, if, if I had done everything, but just like actually focused, then, uh, then, then I would have had success so much faster. And even now, like I'm still not focused. And like, I know this blog could be doing $10,000 a month if it had my, my full attention, but it doesn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, my, my biggest mistake is, is not focusing is getting, you know, is hopping around, um, getting shiny object syndrome. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's my just, I think that's, uh, yeah, definitely my biggest mistake, um, is not focusing early enough. I don't think I made too many others. I mean, this is a, well, actually maybe I have a .co domain. What do you think about .co versus .com domains? I think it's probably okay these days. It's a lot more common and it's not the worst thing in the world. So I think, uh, I, I take it the .com is, is taken or, um, someone's just sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah. The .com is taken. And I think it's, a uh, it's like a retirement home or something for, uh, for my domain. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, and that's obviously like I have had success with the .co, um, sometimes not all the time, but sometimes I wonder, would it be different if I had a .com? I don't know. Um, 
you know, uh, and obviously like there's really no way to know. Um, but, but I have had success with the dot co. Um, so that's fine. So that might be a mistake, but really just like focusing and like my, like a lack of focus is my biggest mistake. I mean, this is kind of like an easy business model, right? Like, like you just, you write good articles and you publish them and you write good articles and then you publish them. And like, then you get backlinks to those. Like, it's really like simple. So it's kind of hard to mess up, at least in my opinion. Perfect. All right, Jake, this has been awesome. Hopefully we could have you back on, get an update sometime in the future. Where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, if you can find me at Twitter at J Thomas underscore underscore, uh, you can also just search for, uh, Jake Thomas on Twitter and then you will see uh, a guy in a hat and a really cute golden retriever. Um, so that'll be me. Um, and then also, um, if you want to write better titles, if you're on YouTube or even if you're not, and you just want to learn more about what makes people click and like how to get people's attention, um, creatorhooks.com is my newsletter where I break down um, five YouTube videos every week that did really well. I also have a flop of the week. Um, so like showing, hey, like this video like did really bad. Like here's why, like they messed up in the title. Um, so I've been using that, like those learnings to write better email subject lines, write better blog post titles, um, even like write better like subheads and write better like bullet points in my intro. Um, so yeah, it's all about just what makes people click and that's creatorhooks.com. Cool. Maybe you'll feature one of my videos for the flops one week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, man. We'll, we'll link everything up so people can get to your stuff and check it out. And thanks again, Jake. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Thanks a lot to Jake. And if you have any follow-up questions for him, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. And he gave out you know, some contact info. So feel free to reach out to him directly. But I think we should be able to get an update from Jake sometime in the future. Sounds like he's doing some pretty cool stuff. And I, I do find it interesting that he mentioned focus and the lack of focus. And if he would have dedicated himself a little sooner, maybe he'd be a little further ahead. And very similar to me, He's saying, hey, I know I'm not focusing enough right now either. He knows he should be, but he's not, he's not doing it. He can't help himself but to you know, spread his attention to other areas. So it's really, I mean, it's really hard to focus. It's one of the toughest things. And one of the big advantages that Jake had, and I think we highlighted it in the interview, he had a writing background. He liked to write. And his take on providing the best content he possibly can, looking at all the other resources out there and trying to analyze what they're doing, figure out what they're missing, and really provide the best content on the given topic. I would say, it, you know, maybe at some point it like, it's as good as it can get. You can always improve stuff. The, the point being is, if everyone is out there trying to provide the very best content at some point, it's just like incremental gains. And I can see that could be a little tough. It also reminds me of, I think it was a side hustle nation show when Matt Jevanisi was on there. And I actually, I remember where I was listening to certain shows 
And this is back when I lived in Bozeman, Montana, which I, I miss occasionally. And I was walking my dog. I think I was walking my dog. It could have been between dogs. But anyway, I was walking in one of the many paths in in Bozeman, just walking around the neighborhood, basically on a trail. And Matt was talking about his uh, brew cabin site. And this was kind of the early days. And he was saying, yeah, just try to you know write the very best content. And I didn't know Matt at the time. I didn't meet Matt until maybe like a year or two ago. And this was probably like 2017. But Matt was saying the same thing. And I'm pretty sure back then I was like, oh, whatever, Matt. You know, the, the best content, like at some point, it sort of tops out. There's Even if you write really good content, sometimes you don't rank. It, it just happens. But sometimes if you write really good content, it does pay off. And further, the craziest thing was that Jake only published like 12 articles in the first year. This is completely flying in the face of people that are publishing you know, huge amounts of content in a short amount of time, trying to publish you know, 1,000 articles in a year like Charlie or something similar. I mean, I'm doing a case study. These headlines are pretty good. You know, publish about 200 articles, 200,000 words in four months. Of course, Jake would have preferred to publish more content than he did. But it just goes to show if it is really high quality content, there is a chance that you can rank with just a handful of articles. When you're out of the sandbox, things open up a little bit. And it, it took a little time for Jake, of course, but it did pay off. And it just goes to show there's a lot of different ways to do things. And there's exception cases. I know there's someone uh, that has been emailing me about their site. They're earning maybe like $15, $16 a month. And they publish like 200 articles. And something's wrong. Something is fucked up. They've made some mistake. Either the keyword research is not that good or the content is not as good as they think or there's some other mistake in there. There's a number of things that could go wrong, but it's pretty amazing. I mean, someone put in the time, even if they you know hired it out and didn't write all 200 articles. 200 articles is a lot. You potentially could be making... You know, 10, 20K with 200 articles. Of course, it depends on the topic, but if you extrapolate some of the work that Jake has been doing, um, you don't have to make too many leaps to understand that you can earn quite a bit of money with far less content. All right, I'm going to wrap it up for today. Thanks a lot for listening. If you have the opportunity, please uh, you know tell a friend about the show. I think this one is a pretty inspiring one. Kind of flies in the face of a couple ideas that we take as common wisdom. So share to Facebook group, send it to your friend. You know, spread the word. Really appreciate your support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. 